Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. This is a special edition of the Inside Carolina podcast presented to you by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. I'm Ross Martin, and I'm joined by Greg Barnes, and we are the two beat writers covering UNC football and basketball for UNC. We're coming off the ACC Basketball Media Day in Charlotte on Tuesday recording here on Wednesday. So we're going to talk a little UNC basketball and our takeaways from the AC Media Day and then dive into a little mid-season UNC football chat and uh, so kind of a combo between basketball and football. What's going on, Greg? Not too much, Ross. We are smack dab at the uh, very start of the overlap season. So for the next two months, it'll be It'll be a lot of basketball, a lot of football. Yeah, and it was nice that ACC Media Day fell on the bye week. So yep. kind of a, a lull in the day-to-day of football coverage allowed us to kind of focus in on basketball this week. Then we'll be right back into it with um, Virginia Tech week starting on Monday. So that was kind of nice how it worked out schedule-wise. Let's get right into it. Um, what were your general takeaways from ACC Media Day? We had Roy Williams for about 30 minutes and then 15 minutes on the podium able to talk to Garrison Brooks and Brian Robinson as well. Not a lot of news, uh, but is there anything you kind of want to generally take away and talk about early on here? Yeah, two things that really stood out to me. One being that Roy Williams seemed especially laid back. And as he's gotten older, he's kind of been more like that, that he's he's more willing to tell jokes and to, to say things that are that people get a kick out of. I mean, the the little talk he gave on the ACC network with, with Spectrum uh, was, was hilarious to me. And that that bodes well for this team, I think, that he he's not stressed at this point in time. Because if you look at some of the comments from both Roy and the players and Garrison Brooks and Brandon Robinson, there's a lot for this team to do. Now, we've talked about this all offseason. This is going to be a work in progress, right? You lose your top five scores. You have six new faces coming in. Everybody's got to learn a new role. Um, we can get into perimeter shooting, but that's going to be something that has to be addressed. So certainly a work in progress. This team that we see against Notre Dame on November 6th, so less than a month away, is not going to be the team that we see in January. And I think that's important for fans to understand that Roy's not blowing smoke right now. There are a lot of issues. They're not very good defensively. They don't like their outside shooting. Really probably their best offensive player in the post is a true freshman. Right, I and mean, that's kind yeah. of a a scary thing. But I think I, th- I think as we we watch this team develop as we get into November and December, you're going to see some struggles. You're going to see some up and downs, but eventually they'll they'll be a much improved team. It's it's just going to take some time to get there. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway was uh, I don't know who I, maybe I asked him that or something, and he said that they they have concerns about scoring right now, and that replacing Luke May. Kobe White, Cameron Johnson, and then, and also Kenny Williams and Nasir Little is going to be a lot harder than I think a lot of fans expected. Sure, they got 
Cole Anthony and Armando Bacot, but they're freshmen. And then Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce are not going to bring in the firepower that Cameron Johnson, Luke Mann, Kobe White brought last year. So there is going to be some issues scoring that, that Roy says. Maybe he is just kind of trying to pump up his players and lower expectations offensively. But he says they're going to have to be better in other areas defensively, rebounding, push the pace more to get easy shots. So that, that was what stood out from me, that, that one quote. Um, I know you're writing about it later. But um, in the injuries right now, they don't even have enough players to really to run a full scrimmage. They're bringing in some JV guys. Um, Sterling Manley's out. Jeremiah Francis. Anthony Harris is out. Luigi Black hasn't been 100%. He's been going about 30% of practices. And Garrison Brooks is coming off a of wrist injury as well. So a lot of question marks there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a lot to replace those five guys with six newcomers, two of which are grad transfers that – who knows how well they're going to adapt. You think Christian Keeling is going to be a pretty good starter for UNC and Justin Pierce as well, but who knows? Uh, we've only seen them play against lesser competition. Yeah, and I think it's easy to look just at perimeter scoring and say, okay, well, North Carolina made a single-season score record 312 three-pointers last year. That was the emphasis of that offense. You had Luke May in the middle and not much else in terms of skilled offensive players. And even Luke could jump outside and, and knock down some threes. But what that allowed UNC to do is it allowed Nasir Little, it allowed Kobe White uh, to really have some lanes to get into the, you know, to the rim, into the paint, and, and put up some shots. Uh, maybe not uncontested, but not near as, as against a, a packed defense otherwise. And that's, that's really where I think the fallout is going to be is North Carolina will make enough threes to be effective. Are they going to make 312 again? I don't think there's any way that happens. But now that defenses are going to be able to collapse a little bit, UNC is going to have to be much better in terms of passing. Uh, and so Cole Anthony's ability, we've heard a lot about it, uh, to kind of find guys that don't even know they're open, right? Kendall Marshall did that better than anybody, uh, dating back to maybe Ed Coda. And so if Cole can be that type of player, that will really alleviate some of these scoring concerns. Um, but it, it's an emphasis on Garrison Brooks to be able to score better. Armando Baycott's got to be good from, from day one. And then, as you mentioned, you know, those grad transfers have got to provide some offensive punch. We know they're supposed to be pretty good rebounders, but they came in because they're dynamic in their scoring ability in terms of being able to step outside, knock down some shots, and score when they get into the paint. Uh, Justin, of course, being more of a 3-4 a type guy with Keelan being a, a true guard. So a lot of different things have to happen, as you mentioned, for that, that scoring differential to kind of add up. Yeah, I, I think Cole Anthony's going to be really good, and, and Roy's not holding back in his praise for him. I think it's a chance to be an ACC Player of the Year candidate and definitely a, you know all-ACC first-team type guy. He's going to have to score a lot. He's going to have to pass a lot. He's going to be on the court a lot. So I think – we kind of know what to expect from him, even though we haven't seen him play. But like you said, Baycott's going to have to be huge for UNC because I know Garrison Brooks is working on scoring more, but I just don't think he's a natural high-volume scorer like a Bryce Johnson or Baycott, I think, has some, some offensive viability, and I think they'll lean on him to score more. So his development early on and into January and February is going to be big to see what he can do as a rookie. Uh, it's harder for big men in their first year to really adapt to the physicality of ACC play. So that'll be something to watch. But, you know, you're going to need some from Garrison Brooks and Brian Robinson because, yeah, I think Keeling and Pierce will provide some, but not as much as 
is what the players they lost last year. So it's gonna be a lot on Cole Anthony's shoulders and Baycott as well. And that's a that's a lot for for two freshmen to, to carry this team. And, and Leaky Black too. I don't know if he's a he's not a big time scorer yet. So they have a lot of different parts that look good on paper, but the scoring is definitely a question mark. Big men, you know, no Sterling Manley, Garrison Brooks, Brett Baycott. What else What else do you see from the big men? Do you see them going to more of a, a smaller rotation this year, or do you think they'd stick with or go with Brooks and, and Baycott the four and five? Well, I think what you just said is, is critical because, you know, with Manley not even practicing. So I don't yeah. think there's any any hope that he's going to be back anytime soon. We know that Brandon Huffman has been very slow in his development. So in terms of big men, um, yes, I guess Justin Pierce can play the four. Depending on who you talk to, he's kind of a more of a three-four, but he'll get some run at the four for sure with Brooks at the five. But if Roy wants to go with that traditional two-big lineup, you know Garrison's going to be in there because Garrison's the best defender this team has. So he'll be on the court majority of the time. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. But he is a guy that he's just not a an offensive player. That's just not who he is. Um, he He's worked a lot this offseason trying to get better, and I'm sure he'll show some some growth. But he really benefited in the last two years of of you not having the ball in his hands very much. It would be an offensive rebound, be some some garbage, and it'd be a drive and a, and a dish where he could just dunk it. And there's there's value in that for sure. But that's a lot different than somebody passing you the ball on the block and saying, all right, go get us two points. And I think I think Garrison is going to struggle in that regard. I do expect him to be better this year. Armando has that skill set now. I think probably where he struggles more than anything at this point in time, as most true freshmen do, is on the defensive end. Uh, and so Armando's growth defensively, I think, is going to really tell us how much of a traditional two-big lineup we're going to see. If he plays well enough offensively and is adequate defensively, that gives Roy a lot of options. Um, and then you can really decide, okay, well, we're going to keep Leaky uh, you know, at the three or even move him to the two if we want to. Because you know Cole's going to be at the one. And then you've got some options with Keeling and, and, and B-Rob and even Justin Pierce. Uh, so I think Armando's development here in the next month or two is going to be uh, significant for what this team can accomplish. Because you know Garrison will be on the court just because of his defensive presence. But with that doesn't come necessarily an offensive punch on the blocks for sure yeah i mean i you think stepping back kind of dang some of their best players might be at that three and four spot or the two three and four spot so using a small lineup with having leaky and justin pierce on the floor at the same time those are two six seven six eight guys might be better and they might have to lean on that if you know if baycott gets tired or you know they can't play him the whole game so that might be like the second lineup they use cole anthony keeling or, or brand robinson and then and then play um leaky at the three Pierce of the four, and then Garrison Brooks or Baycott the five. Starting lineup, I mean, might as well kind of get into it now. That's what, you know, it's always intriguing to, to hear what people think. What do you think the starting lineup will be when they face Notre Dame on November 6th in Chapel Hill? Well, provided Leakey is able to get back to to working condition, I think it's got to be Cole Anthony, B-Rob, Leakey, Garrison Brooks at the four, and Armando Baycott at the five. I think uh, that's got to be kind of the, the, the key situation. Now, if if Leakey is not there and he's not completely healed and he's not back in the flow of things, then maybe you see Christian Keeling there at the two with B-Rob down at, at the three. But I, I think ideally you have uh, Leakey at the three, and then it really is the petition between Brandon Robinson and Keeling at the two. 
And if you need scoring power, then you would think that, that Keeling would win that. And if you need defensive uh, a defensive stopper on the floor, in addition to Cole Anthony, if he can get there, it'd be B-Rob. So as you said, you have a lot of different options. I don't know beyond Leakey that you have somebody who can do a little bit of both. So that there are going to be some interchangeable uh, pieces, and there's going to be a lot of attention paid to matchups in terms of what UNC needs on a, any given night. Yeah, that's surprising. I, mean, I think a lot of people expect Keeling to start. I don't know. Um, that's really based on not knowing how he's going to play in the UNC lineup, but I think a lot of people think it's going to be Anthony and Keeling and then competition of the three between Leakey and Brian Robinson and Justin Pierce. And then I, I, I do think a lot of people expect it being Brooks and Baycott, the four and five. So that'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a situation where Roy Williams uses a lot of different starting lineups in the first month or two to kind of figure out the best combination. You know, taking out someone out of the lineup, like a Leaky or one of the young players, could hurt their confidence versus maybe going with the grad, grad trenchers first and then supplanting them with a younger player like Leaky. Yeah, I think the fact that Keeling is a grad transfer does add a – kind of a, a unique aspect. It's not like you've got a, you know, Kobe White, who is an incoming guy who's, uh, you know, McDonald's All-American type that you know is just going to be explosive from day one. Keeling was successful uh, at his previous level. But as Roy has said this preseason, you know, one of the reasons he had such a, a big advantage, especially like on rebounding on the boards, is because he was just more athletic than a lot of the guys he was playing against. That's no longer the case. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's at the ACC now. And how does he adapt? How quickly does he get better? And I think that's going to be kind of a key component of that. Yeah, I think you could see them splitting time pretty evenly with all those guys on the perimeter outside of Cole Anthony. Brandon Robinson, Leaky Black, Justin Pierce, Christian Keeling could all kind of split time to the two and three. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's take a quick break to talk about Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com right on Franklin Street, your spot for all your UNC and Tar Heel apparel. Remember, I see subscribers get 10% off using the discount code on the premium football and basketball message board. So head there, get the code and use that in person at the store or online. It's getting a little crisp outside. So time to get a, a Carolina blue sweatshirt, a gray sweatshirt, a Navy blue sweatshirt, and all your football and basketball apparel needs head down to Johnny t-shirt right on Franklin street and pick up what you need. Great for gifts as the holiday season is right around the corner Make all your uh, get all your gifts there and get the ten percent discount code and, and and get some good money off your purchase there. So giant t shirt and giant t shirt dot com. All right, we're going to switch ahead to football unless there's anything else you can talk about basketball wise. Anything else takeaways? I didn't, I didn't think there was much news other than um, I mean I don't think Brooks and and Robinson really brought anything too groundbreaking either. No, the fact that we had UNC Media Day. You know, a week ago, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot that's taken place, even on the practice court. They've they've had a couple of practices, but but nothing more than what we already learned then. Yeah, the injuries. Um, you know, Kendall Marshall's director of recruiting. I got something coming up on that, so we'll have some stories throughout this week and next week as we kind of go through all the audio from UNC Media Day and ACC Media Day. All right, let's get to football. It's bye week, um, so not much news other than the injury to Trey Morrison. Another hit for UNC's secondary. Uh, Miles Woolfork is out. Patrice Renee is out for the season. Uh, Trey Shaw hasn't seen any time. I believe that's an injury as well. So UNC's defensive backs have been hit hard. The Tar Heels are six and six. Or sorry, three and three after six games heading into Virginia Tech next weekend. 
a big coastal matchup. Um, in general, in general, Greg, your takeaways are six games. Um, you know, have they met expectations? Are they where you thought they would be? Um, are they are they over or under what you expected? And we'll dive into some more particular talk after that. Yeah, well, at this point of the season, I I kind of projected North Carolina to be at two and four. Uh, so certainly ahead of schedule of what I had originally thought. And I, I I really I really believe it's because of Sam Howell. I don't think anybody could have um projected him to play as well as he has. I mean, this is the kid six games in, and he's in contention for all ACC. The the numbers that he's putting up and the way that he's played so well late in games is is really phenomenal. And when you consider that that Deami Brown and Daz Newsom, well, they've been good in spots. Uh, they also lead the ACC. They're one and two in drop passes. Uh, Toe Groves has a few drops. So if those guys make some of those catches, and some of those catches are explosive, you know, touchdown plays. Sam's numbers look even better. And I, more than anything, I think he's kind of carried the team. You, know, you look at the stats. The offense has been pretty good because of him. Defense has been good in spots, uh, but it's not like it's been a, a dominant defense. Their get best game was against Clemson, and they played very well. Although Trevor Lawrence, now that we have some you know, kind of a body of, of work on him this year, he hasn't been great by any stretch. Uh, and so there's pieces in place. I think the fact that turnovers – turnovers. I think the fact that, that injuries have really kicked up yet again is a problem. And I think that's going to be a concern over the next month and a half to determine if North Carolina can compete for the Coastal and then also get to a, to a bowl game. I think the latter should be in hand in terms of getting to a bowl game. Do they have the depth to legitimately compete right now for the Coastal? We'll have to wait and see. But you know, I think Mac Brown has done a great job in, in convincing these guys that they can compete, they can beat anybody, and that's critical. And then when you add in a guy like Sam Howell, uh, it kind of gives you an indication that regardless of what happens this year, you know, the next couple of years are bright for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Sam Howell talk better than expected with him. I think the running game has been very, very solid and relatively consistent. Javante Williams, as advertised, if not, I think he exceeded my expectations. There was He was always hype, but you always thought, well, he's going to split carries with Michael Carter. Antonio Williams, uh, the offense has moved to Javante as 1A, Michael Carter as 1B. Good combination there. You would think if they had Polino, this, this offensive line and running game will be extremely solid, but there are signs to indicate that there's more continuity on the offensive line with Brian Anderson and the pieces they have in place with Charlie Heck back. You mentioned the drops, so you think this, this offense can continue to get better if they can avoid some injuries. Um, the defense has took some hits with Strobridge missing some action and, and defensive backs, certainly. But they have been pretty solid overall, uh, I think. So, yeah, I'm assuming you you want, you thought they'd beat Appalachian State and Georgia Tech, correct? Correct. And, um, and I, so I think I think the way I had it was I, I thought they would they would win one of the Wake and App State games, and uh, of yeah. course I I bombed that uh, projection. Yeah, so you know, a little bit better than expected. You, you you don't want to see them drop the App State game and Wake Forest as well, but you know, two early wins and then kind of taking care of business with Georgia Tech. 
Um, looking ahead, defensive back injuries. I mean, I think that's the, the one big kind of storyline and development this week. Cameron Kelly out, Miles Warfork out, Patrice Renee, and now Trey Morris in their best corner. So the Tar Heels will turn to Storm Duck as they're essentially the number one corner, a true freshman, and Gregory Ross. Both have played a lot of snaps this year, and Greg Ross has played certainly overall um, more last season. What do you think is going on there? Is that going to affect UNC? And what can Jay Bateman and his defense do to maybe, um, you know, take care of that issue and remedy it? Well, I think I think what you have to do is kind of what North Carolina did against Clemson. Uh, and it really limits Jay in terms of how aggressive he can be just because yeah. you do not want to leave those guys on an island all the time. And in doing so, that means you've got to have help, whether it be you know, a nickelback or you know, typically it would be a, a safety kind of providing over-the-top coverage. Um, and with with young guys, I mean, Greg Ross has, has kind of proven – through six games that he has matured and he kind of understands what he's supposed to be doing a little bit better. So maybe you have some, some more faith in him. Uh, but I, I think that really requires you really good up front. And fortunately, North Carolina has been able to keep Aaron Crawford healthy. Strowbridge has been relatively healthy. Uh, now he had the ankle issue that, that really limited him, um, you know, against App State. And of course, didn't, didn't play against uh, Wake. But those are two you know, NFL caliber defensive linemen. And so if you can get pressure from those guys, you can play a lot of safety coverage on, on the back end. Uh, you can you can be conservative there if you have that push up front. The problem is, is if you know, one of those guys is nicked up, then you're not able to get that push off the line of scrimmage. Then you can start to get exposed a little bit. And so you, we knew coming into this year that the margin of error was very slim defensively just because – you know, once you got past that starting lineup, a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience, some question marks, and they've kind of <laughs> uh, eliminated that margin of error. I mean, they're they are teetottering on that line, and if another chip falls, and that's when some bad things can happen. But give Jay Bateman a lot of credit. The party, he's managed it about as well as he could, and so that's why North Carolina's you know, midway through and, and sitting at three and three. Yeah, it's crazy the injuries they have taken to the defensive backs. You would see Don Chapman starting at safety uh, and maybe splitting some time with DJ Ford. Ford has also been UNC's nickelback, so those are the guys that will step in to replace the injuries um, at safety. And then the corner, we, we already mentioned Storm Duck and Greg Ross. We're going to take a quick ba- break, and we'll be right back to talk about the remaining games on UNC's schedule and kind of predict what could happen for the second half of the Tar Heels slate. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
and we are back. Greg, let's take a quick look at the remaining games on Unity's schedule. Uh, make some predictions and, and get out of here to enjoy the rest of our open week. So, Gene Tech in Blacksburg next weekend. Duke, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Mercer, NC State. UNC's three and three. Uh, yeah, why don't you just go through the schedule and what do you, how do you kind of see this breaking down for UNC, knowing what we know about the teams that they're going to play. It's a weird situation. You know, Duke killed Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech went and law- beat Miami. Pittsburgh's had some issues and they beat Duke. So who knows what's going to happen in the Coastal. It seems like Virginia is kind of the best team uh, and their only loss is to Notre Dame. Yeah, I think the the talking point that the ACC Coastal and really the ACC in general beyond Clemson is is down and, and not very good. I think that's accurate. And when you look at the, the Coastal, like you said, there's been so many crazy games um, that it's hard to say who's who's legitimate. Yeah. And so I think North Carolina's you know, in that mix for sure. I think to date, Virginia has kind of proven that they probably are the best team. You know, And watching the Notre Dame game against Virginia, Virginia was in position to win that game. And then they had a you know a strap a strip sack that was returned for a touchdown and had another turnover that that led to, to easy points for Notre Dame and that's how they lose that game, and so that is a, a tough minded group. They've got a good quarterback in Bryce Perkins. Uh, you, Virginia Tech uh, they barely beat Miami even though they were gifted basically twenty eight points to start the game. Uh, I I don't think Virginia Tech's very good, and. It's a good thing North Carolina was able to, to play Georgia Tech after Clemson because Georgia Tech is terrible. That is not a good football <laughs> team. Uh, you get into the bye week, you can kind of rest a little bit, go to Blacksburg. I think that's a game North Carolina should win. But then from there, I think you, you really get to see how good this team is because Duke at home is going to be tough. You know, Coach uh, Cutcliffe does a really good job with his squad. They've got kind of a, a – a dual threat quarterback and they haven't been perfect by any stretch, but they've been solid in some of these games. Then you have Virginia coming to town. And even after that, you do have a little bit of a buy before that Thursday night game at Pitt. And depending on what day you watch Pitt, they can look like world beaters. And yeah, they're, they're a first and goal at the one away at Penn state in the final minutes and Penn state's a you know legitimate top 10 type team. And then, you know, they beat Central Florida, who Central Florida is a good team. They're, you know, they're a top 25 program. But then they struggle in some of these other games. So uh, I think up there, that's going to be a, a tough game to play. So three games in a row there that will really decide kind of how the coastal shapes up. North Carolina can go two and one in that stretch. Uh, they're going to be dealing. And then you go to that state game, and that's that may be a game to, to get into the ACC championship game, which is fun, I think, for everybody for that game to actually mean something, at least on the coastal side. I don't think it'll mean much for the Wolfpack in terms of the Atlantic division with Clemson over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, if you, you come out of this bye week, if you can take care of business up in Blacksburg, you really set yourself up, say, okay, how good are we? Because those next three Duke, Virginia Pitt, are, are so important. Yeah. Do you think UNC will be favored against Virginia tech? I would imagine so. It may be one of those where they're like a three point favorite. But just the way yeah. that Virginia Tech has played, even though they beat Miami, I think people will look at it and say uh, they barely beat Miami. Miami had a chance to tie that game late, even though literally they were gifted, you know, what, a 28-zip lead? And um, you yeah, know, I, Duke, What happened Duke there? I didn't see that. Soundly. 
just turnovers. Miami had countless turnovers yeah. Yeah. Uh, to start that game, and, and Virginia Tech uh, just kind of fell into the end zone, basically, to, to score the, those touchdowns early. It'll be interesting to see the spread of, of UNC's games versus Duke, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. you got to imagine all those are going to be pretty close, especially since Duke and Virginia games are both in Chapel Hill. Pittsburgh on a Thursday. I don't think State's that good. They're, they're kind of struggling with quarterback issues that UNC has had the last two years. And and what gives UNC a chance is they're really good at quarterback. And he can make plays. He can go out and win you games. And um, and that's something that some of these teams do not have. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, three and three, they, they have to have three wins to go to a bowl game. And you have Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Mercer, NC State. You know, I think, like you said, beat Virginia Tech, that's one more win. There are four wins and win two of the next three ACC Coastal games, and you're in a bowl game. And then you're, you know, you are you beat Mercer for, for win number seven, and then NC State could be, could be eight wins. So that's if they can beat two out of Duke, Virginia, and Pittsburgh, there's a good shot. This could be a seven or eight win ACC team, seven or eight win UNC team. And I think that would, that would definitely exceed my expectations. I had them right around six. Um, you know, five or six wins. And so seven wins, seven, eight wins, given how bad the coastal is, that's a, it's a good first season for Mac Brown back in Chapel Hill. Um, interesting to see what happens in those, the next four coastal games. I'll certainly decide, you know, their chances to, to go back to Charlotte and play a Clemson team or if, uh, if Virginia beating Virginia, obviously is gonna be the key there. Um, all right. Anything else uh, this, this week you want to touch on before we close out, Greg? No, I, I would just say that you know, Mac Brown, he won the offseason. We talked about that ad nauseum, it seems like. The way that his team has performed through the first six games, I think, has, has been impressive. And to your point, even if they don't you know, win the Coastal, as long as they get to a bowl game, as long as they continue to be competitive, uh, that's the most important thing. You know, use this opportunity to, to, to get to the postseason, get those extra practices in, you can sell that, hey, we went to a bowl game after winning five games in two years. So there's an immediate turnaround, even though we've had a lot of injuries. You can sell that recruiting-wise. Then if you can somehow get to eight wins next year, I think recruiting is off and running if it's not already. And uh, it, it takes time to build a program. People don't like to hear that. They want to win immediately. I get it. But if you look at all these programs around the country, you, t- coaches even the best, have struggles early, and it, it takes time to kind of build that culture. So if they can get to a bowl game this year, I think that's that's a, an A-plus job. And even though they they <laughs> they started off gangbusters with those wins over South Carolina and Miami, the fact that they lost to App State and Wake doesn't diminish from that. Yeah, and I think they have a good recruiting class coming in. They signed a, de- a pretty good class in his first year. It wasn't it, it wasn't what this income class is going to be like. And then you get 2020 class, sorry, the 2021 classes has a lot of in-state talent. Um, so they should have a good chance to bring in some recruits there. So in two or three years, is kind of when you see the fruits of, uh, of the rebuild. And so that's when we really know um, how good this UNC team can uh, be in the rebuild, especially this year, you see the lack of depth. They have some talent uh, at the starting level, but, you know, Crawford graduates, Strowbridge, Miles Doran graduate, uh, Charlie Heck, Nick Polino, those guys are going to be gone. So next year, who knows? They might have to take a step down with all the seniors that are gone, or some of the younger players will step up and fill those places, and, and it will be back to kind of a seven or eight-win team, and they can build from there. 
but certainly bowl game excellent would be an excellent season and they definitely can build off that in terms of recruiting and that's where it all starts and that's how mac brown has stressed they need to get better at in order to get unc where they want it to be all right that's it for us uh kind of a combo podcast with some basketball talk and some football talk appreciate it greg and i'll see you at the next availability i guess monday's press conference with mac brown yep sounds good thanks ross Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.